Hello and welcome to another episode of Cyberspeak with InfoSec, the weekly podcast where industry thought leaders share their knowledge and experience in order to help us all stay one step ahead of the bad guys. Andrew Howard of Kudelsky Security knows a lot about the security risks that can arise when your company finally makes the full transition to a digital existence in the cloud. Like any move, the task itself might be exhausting and take twice as long as you expect, but some planning and protection will prevent the destruction of some of your most precious possessions, and today we're going to find out how. As the chief, uh, global chief technology officer for Kudelsky Security, Andrew Howard is responsible for the evolution, development, and delivery of the organization's technology strategies and solution architecture, including selecting and validating third-party technologies and managing research, development, and labs. Prior to joining Kudelsky Security, Andrew was laboratory director at Georgia Tech, spearheading the information security research and advisory programs. He has served as an advisor on emerging security threats to Fortune 250 CISOs and government bodies and has extensive experience as a security architect, strategist, and technical leader. Andrew has an MBA in management of technology and a master's degree in information security from the Georgia Institute of Technology. Andrew, thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so let's start out. Um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your security journey, how you first got interested in computers and tech, and was there anything specific that caused you to shift focus in the direction of cybersecurity? Sure. So I originally was introduced to computers and programming through the TI-83. All right. Going the way calculator back. that we all used in middle school and high school. I yep. still have mine. Uh, they yeah. still make them today, I learned. And, uh, you know, I learned basic computing, TI basic, which was the language on those. And <laughs> I first started playing Snake and then Tetris and then Oregon Trail. There you go. Quickly learned that you could program those things to do anything. And once I figured out that I could do my algebra homework uh, by writing my own programs, I was hooked. Yeah. I took an AP computer science class, got even more hooked, went to college, took a computer science degree there, and I uh, really just love computers. And then once, in college, I took an internship with a Department of Defense Research Laboratory associated with Georgia Tech and uh, ultimately became the director of that laboratory. But when I was a student, I was working on systems uh, that required high security. And we okay. didn't call it cybersecurity back then, but uh, security was important. And I, and I learned the basics there. Okay. And, and uh, what, what interested you specifically in, in security uh, at that point? Uh, a, it's a, it's a intellectual topic. Okay. It takes, takes thought, takes uh, experience to solve the problem, and it's cat and mouse. It's good guy versus bad guy. It's strategy. Right. Nice. Uh, so what are some of the big projects you're currently working on at Kudelski Security? What are some of the big initiatives being worked on in, in 2019? So we're a solution provider, and we build solutions for clients. Our focus areas are in places that they have problems. So uh, okay. one area is monitoring solutions. Uh, uh, more and more of the enterprises across the globe are outsourcing their monitoring, and we want to be a leading player there. So we've made big investments into monitoring data on-premise, in the cloud, in, internet, in the Internet of Things, as well as in operational or SCADA-like environments. So that's a big investment area, and uh, there's major demand in the market for that type of expertise. We have a fairly sophisticated blockchain practice. Okay. Uh, uh, blockchain is more than just cryptocurrency these days. It's hit the enterprise. There's a role for a security provider. You'll see us bring product to market in that space. 
Okay. Uh, and then I'd say finally, just security strategy. We're constantly trying to innovate there and provide tooling to information security leaders about how to best operate uh, their security program. Okay. So within all of these uh, different skill sets you have, the main focus of today's talk, the thing we really wanted to uh, get your information on is uh, the concept of migrating your company to the cloud or doing other digital upgrades to your company's files or collateral. So the first question I have is, should everyone be thinking about eventually migrating to the cloud? Are there companies for whom this type of uh, transformation isn't appropriate? And how can you tell whether you, you should be one of the companies that is considering the cloud as an option for your business? Sure. I, uh, from my perspective, I, I, if you're considering going to the cloud, you're late to the game. Okay. Uh, and in all likelihood, not in all likelihood, you are already there, whether you okay. know it or not. So I often meet with clients who want to talk about a cloud migration strategy. And uh, my perspective is you don't need to migrate. You're already there. It's just about hmm. moving more data there. Okay. Uh, so, and I, from my perspective, there is not a company profile that does not make sense for the cloud. Uh, it is uh, the way of the future and, frankly, the only way to operate in today's environment. All of the innovation in the technology industry is around the cloud. So if you want to be an innovative company, you got to be in the cloud. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, related to that, how, if at all, uh, have you seen popular thought about cloud hosting? Uh, has, has it changed in the past five years? I know a while back the argument went that Amazon or Google was going to do a much better job of security than most single enterprises since that's Google and Amazon's main focus. Uh, but in recent years, there seems like the thinking has changed or maybe there's been a little bit of cynicism. Do you think that's affected the overall usage of cloud migration for companies significantly? I think that this is a big misconception around the cloud. So okay. if you go acquire services from Amazon or Google or Microsoft, you are acquiring services against a shared responsibility model that they publish in their contracts. They're not guaranteeing you much. It's best to think of Amazon as the plumbers or the water company. They provide the plumbing, they'll get the water and electricity to your house. But once it's there, you're responsible for it. And I you think need to maintain it. Yeah. you got to maintain it. So it's the same with your data. You move your data into AWS, they have some responsibility, but a lot of the responsibility is still on you. Okay. From my perspective, this is the, one of the biggest misconceptions around the cloud. Hmm. Uh, so um, what exactly do most companies transfer to the cloud? You said that obviously everyone's probably got some of their <laughs> assets on the cloud, whether they know it or not. But uh, for those who don't know, how is, how is this done? What are the actual mechanics and, and what do people uh, in completing a cloud migration have to sort of transfer over? So uh, I'm going to try and answer the question in the reverse. So okay. what do people not move to the cloud? is probably right. at this point in the cloud journey is a little easier to describe. So the things that I see not moving to the cloud are crown jewel data. So this is the company's most important data. Right. Although I'll, I see that changing, uh, hmm. but I still see a lot of companies holding on to that. The second thing is anything that's hardware specific. So if it's software that only runs on a certain technology platform, you can't really move that to the cloud. Right. Uh, and then the third, oh, you can, but it's expensive. Uh, and then the third thing that I see not moving to the cloud is legacy systems. Hmm. So systems that just don't make, it's more expensive to migrate them than just to run them. Okay. Uh, but frankly, other than those kind of major categories, everything else is moving. People typically start with email just because that's a fairly straightforward thing to operate and move. Then you typically see file systems move because, again, you kind of move them. So more of the infrastructure. And then from there, the gloves are off. It's everything. It's workloads. It's ERP systems. It's HR systems. Uh, it's everything. Okay. So this is pretty regularly sort of done in stages rather than sort of like one massive dump. 
Uh, I think it's typically done in an ad hoc fashion. Most people okay. don't have a plan. They just get their uh, smart companies, put a strategy together and move there in a concerted fashion. What okay. we advise to IT and security groups is you need to create an environment that people can move to. You don't need to move them. They're going to move themselves more often than not. Okay. Um, so what, what do you what do you recommend in terms of a strategy along those lines? Step one is go do some type of visibility assessment. So bring in either a technology platform or a vendor to come take a look at your current environment. My guess is, is that the cloud utilization will be 800 times what you think it is, something okay. like that. Uh, two is go build a strategy document. That document should be focused on creating an environment that is, it is uh, ideal for your company and easy for business units to move to. It should focus on things like authentication. So how's, how are people going to authenticate? How are your users going to authenticate to the cloud? It should focus on authorization. So how do users get access to what they're supposed to get access to? And it should focus on monitoring uh, of what's in the cloud and knowing that it's properly configured and properly used. So those are three areas to start. And if you kind of build those three things and decide which cloud providers you're going to use and what type of SaaS is okay and what type of SaaS is not okay and how you're going to enforce that, then the migrations can start to happen. But if you try and make the migrations without knowing that, you're, you're asking for trouble and you're asking, frankly, for the user community to work around you. So what are the benefits of a cloud-based business? Although we're, we're talking about the security and safety risks of transferring the cloud, we also need to know uh, what types of safety risks can be minimized by going fully cloud-based. Like what are you, what, you know, what's improving? Obviously, you, you said that going digital completely is, is the wave of the future, so... You sort of so uh, that's a good question. So the first thing I'll I'll start again with the negative. So what is it not? Okay, yep. it's not cheaper. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, there are certain situations that it is cheaper, but uh, at scale it is not cheaper. That generally is not one of the reasons. There okay. are advantages for how costs are allocated and how costs are generated, but in my experience, it's just not cheaper. And I've seen horror stories. What it is is more scalable, so it's easier to scale up. And two, it's more available. So you get better availability. Uh, from a security perspective, what you gain uh, is a much, you, you get to take advantage of Amazon's security staff. So now you have a much larger staff available. Mm-hmm. And then most importantly is this innovation concept. If you go look at the roadmaps of every single major security vendor, every innovation is in the cloud. So yeah. if you want innovative security, you got to be in the cloud. Or okay. You're just not getting the latest and greatest. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so one of the biggest security sir, uh, concerns with migrating to the cloud is compliance with data protection regulations. Uh, what if, what effect do you think that GDPR in Europe and CCPA in California uh, have both the methods and the protection measures involved in cloud migration? I think it's a major concern area, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of organizations are not doing what they should. Okay. Uh, I mean, you, every organization needs a privacy officer or a privacy leader to consider these types of topics where data is stored and who accesses it, accesses it and how is of the utmost importance. Again, mm-hmm. if you go look at the shared responsibility shared responsibility requirements uh, with most major cloud providers, this is not a topic that's covered on the cloud provider's side of the chart. Uh, I mean, you as a business have an obligation to make sure that the business processes that you have that take advantage of the cloud, whether that's SaaS or IaaS, uh, takes is properly takes care of these data protection concerns. And GDPR is pretty much going to require you to have a region of AWS or Google in Europe. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're, you're almost certainly going to be breaking some law that you're going to be liable against. 
Okay. Um, so what are some security catastrophes that can happen if you have a loose cloud migration strategy? What are some red flags you might be able to watch for to see if the process has been compromised along the way? Uh, so I think the biggest issue that you risk is just data loss. Okay. okay. So you think you're migrating a million records and you only migrate 900,000 records. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, so I think you're kind of prototypical database data warehouse migration concerns exist. But what I think the cloud adds that doesn't exist in your typical migration is it adds the possibility that you are moving that data to an environment that is exposed to the internet. Hmm. So in a traditional sense, if I migrate data from database A to database B, I just don't connect database B to the internet until I'm ready. Right. With the cloud, you are on all, because it's a very flat infrastructure by its very nature, yep. uh, it is quite easy to move something into an environment that's not well protected. Hmm. Uh, and then I think the second thing that can happen is, is that you can move it in such a way that it's either now in a geographic location that it shouldn't be, or people who have access to it shouldn't have. Uh, and then finally, I'll say, you got I've seen business processes just completely fall apart. Uh, because of the way systems interact behind the scenes. So hmm. you move a business process from A, from some on-premise solution to the cloud, and all of a sudden it doesn't work because permissions aren't set up properly. So in summary, in some ways, it's just like a typical migration on-premise, but the cloud adds some complexity around security, visibility, and integration. Uh, to that end, so what, what about um, secure authentication for employees and the roles of identity management? I mean, as we know, employee pa passwords across multiple applications can add risk as well. Uh, how, how does that figure in? So I think my opinion is that is if your cloud strategy does not require single sign-on mm -hmm. with your identity provider, whoever that might be, whether that's someone like Microsoft AD or a third party, uh, if that is not a requirement in your security cloud strategy or just your cloud strategy generally, uh, you have, you're probably going to fail uh, because all you're doing is creating more credentials for your users uh, and more likelihood that there are vulnerabilities around authentication. Uh, so step, this is why I say most often step one of any cloud strategy is figure out how authentication is going to work. And my advice to clients is that if they if a SaaS solution or a cloud solution cannot support single sign-on with your identity provider, you probably don't want to use it. Um, so what are some of the common mistakes? I guess we've talked a little bit about, but what, what are some of the most common mistakes that companies make when they migrate to the cloud? The number one mistake I see is grossly underestimating. Uh oh, oh you back. Yep. They gro the biggest mistake that I see is that they grossly underestimate the cost. Okay. Uh, and this is generated by a couple of things. So one is because they just frankly do the sizing wrong. And hmm. they, they underestimate the cost of the services they're using. Okay. But more often than not, it's because the cloud enables their user base to go take advantage of services without IT in the loop. Hmm. Okay. And so what that hmm. creates is kind of authorized shadow IT because the company says, hey, we're going to go use Amazon as our preferred cloud provider. And then the business just runs there. And all of a sudden, your AWS utilization is through the roof. And so are your bills. Hmm. Uh, so, one mistake I see is cost. And then the second mistake I see is uh, thinking that they have the same control in the cloud that they had on premise. Uh, security organizations are very used to deploying security controls around data on premise. Deploy, deploy antivirus, deploy an IDS solution, deploy the firewall, secure the operating system. Often they move those workloads off an on premise solution into a cloud based solution that's containerized 
or uses microservice architectures uh, that just cannot use the same security controls. And now they've lost control of their data. Going back to the the first issue you you noted the uh, the sort of cost overruns. Um, how do do you have any like strategies for budgeting to sort of avoid that sort of thing? Because it sounds like it's you know one one part of the company decides we're going to use this service, but doesn't really look far enough into what using that service is actually going to cost. Like how do you how do you sort of get around that 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 problem? What what, what preparation do you do? I think if you have any kind of scale, meaning that there's a possibility that you're going to move a lot of workloads there, you should do two things. One is bring in some help. Okay. Uh, bring in a firm like us that has expertise on this topic. Uh, um, and then secondly, you've got to put some solution in place to control access, such as a CASB, uh, Cloud Access Security Broker, or some other solution that allows you to monitor uh, access to the cloud. Uh, <laughs> and doing that will allow you to better control the potential cost overruns. Okay. I, it sounds like you may have just answered my next question here, but I want to make sure. Um, so once you've transferred to a digital or cloud environment, what are the most important security strategies you need to put in place to make sure that your digital assets are protected? It sounds like you just mentioned one there, uh, but are there others? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, several. We've talked about a lot of them, but one is uh, some type of monitoring solution, such as a CASB. Yep. Second yep. is a centralized authentication strategy. A third one is a centralized and common monitoring strategy. Okay. Uh, you're going to move data into SaaS. You need to have a way to know what's there and what's happening with it. Most SaaS providers today will open up their logs and their APIs for you. Not all, <laughs> but most. Uh, and then finally, you've got to have a strategy document that you can hold yourself to uh, over time. Uh, everybody's cloud journey is a little bit different, uh, but the cloud offers a lot of possibility. You've got to have a roadmap to get there. Um, so once assets have been migrated digitally or moved to the cloud, um, do you have any sort of uh, thoughts on how job roles change? Does this tend to free up human resources or do new roles open up for maintaining cloud assets? And, you know, if uh, since we mostly train people in cybersecurity positions, are, what type of skills do you think our listeners you know, might be interested in working with if they want to sort of um, work in, in, in cloud processes and, and get ahead of the curve in terms of? New jobs opening. Sure. So I, I do not think that it is eliminating total headcount. Okay. If anything, I think it might be increasing the headcount. Hmm. However, I think it's changing the roles like any technology does. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are going to try and enter this field, good, strong programming skills are to your advantage because okay. uh, a lot of hardware is moving to software. And so the old infrastructure jobs of racking and stacking hardware, running cables, installing this hardware, installing software on hardware, those roles are disappearing. Going away, yeah. They're they're moving to infrastructure as code. um, And frankly, the cloud is controlled through automation. So jobs that can drive automation are important. And this space, like any other space, data science backgrounds are incredibly valuable. Okay, so for any, uh, we're starting to wrap up here. So for any companies who are still on the fence about whether to migrate to the cloud or continue operating Xerar, uh, what is your advice for whether to make the jump or not? It sounds like you're pretty much 100% go for it. Uh, my opinion is that if you're considering, if you're still considering the jump, you've made a mistake. Okay. Uh, you, you, you're, you've already jumped. Your company has already jumped. You're just still on the cliff. Uh, all right. Well, as we wrap up today, uh, if people want to know more about you or Kudelski Security, uh, where can they go? Internet's your best choice. You can just Google Kudelski, K-U-D-E-L-S-K-I. Okay. Uh, Andrew, thank you very much for joining us today. Hey, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening and watching. If you enjoyed today's video, you can find many more on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and type in Cyberspeak with InfoSec to check out our collection of tutorials, interviews, and past webinars. If you'd rather have us in your ears during your workday, 
All of our videos are also available as audio podcasts. Just search CyberSpeak with InfoSec in your favorite podcast catcher. See the current promotional offers available for podcast listeners and to learn more about our InfoSec Pro Live Boot Camps, InfoSec Skills On Demand Training Library, and InfoSec IQ Security Awareness and Training Platform, go to infosecinstitute.com slash podcast or click the link in the description. Thanks once again to Andrew Howard, and thank you all again for watching and listening. We'll speak to you next week.